At the end of the night, one of my parents would drive me up the hill to the X-1 Express bus, which would take me back to Manhattan. They'd let me wait in the car, which was convenient if it was very hot or very cold, until I saw the bright yellow lights of the bus in the rearview mirror. We'd restrict ourselves to small talk. You got everything? What are you doing tomorrow? Because we knew the bus's arrival would quickly yank us apart. But before the bus reached the Brooklyn side of the Verrazano, my phone would vibrate and the familiar number would show up on the caller ID, and I'd already be deep in conversation with my mother, gabbing about everything and nothing, all at once. Thank you for coming, my mother would say. Thank you for having me, I'd say. I love you so, so much, she'd say. I love you too, Mama, I'd reply gazing out the window at the sparkling Manhattan skyline, beckoning to me as I made my way through Brooklyn. And then, just when I was about to hang up, and Jenny, you may love him, but your boyfriend is a loser. Ma! I'd shout into the phone, startling the slumbering weekend commuters on the darkened bus. She always had to have the last word. The next day, My week would begin again, and another after that, until my life changed. Marriage, career progression, a family of my own. My parents would have made superb grandparents. My father, so good with kids, so lovable and engaging. And my mother, who gained the trust of children by speaking to them like they were adults. But all of that will never be. I haven't actually uttered the words mama or daddy in several years, the syllables vanishing from my vocabulary when I wasn't looking. My parents don't know where I work. Last either of them knew I was waiting tables in a restaurant. I haven't actually set the table with a napkin, knife, and fork in several years, choosing instead to sit with a plate in front of the television on the rare occasion I prepare a meal at home. My mother didn't live to see me die out my graves for the first time. My father didn't live to see me go to graduate school or even graduate from college. He missed it by a month. Dad was also spared 9-11 and the Iraq War. And my mother didn't live long enough to see America elect an African-American president, something she would have savored since she'd traveled down to Washington to hear Martin Luther King Jr. deliver his I Have a Dream speech 45 years earlier. When, or if I ever marry, when I have a child... When I finally pay off my student loan debt, all of these things will go unreported to the two people who mattered to me the most. There is no family home to visit on the other side of the Verrazano, no simmering sauce to be stirred. I could choke to death on what might have been. My father died at 64, my mother at 71. They were too young, though I suppose I should be grateful I had them at all. I never imagined I'd live most of my life without parents. But unless I die especially young, that will be my reality. And in a way, I hope it is. If there's one thing I've learned to fear, it is death, which has run roughshod over me, robbing me of my family, as I sat helpless to stop it. But this wasn't always the case. I had a family, however imperfect, and not that long ago. I had a life albeit one that doesn't remotely resemble the one I'm living now. 
Where there was once a house full of laughter and argument and cooking smells, there is now nothing. Just a furnished reverie that exists only in my memory. Sometimes, I wonder if my time with them was real. I could say I conjured it from the ether and no one would be the wiser, because there is no one left to corroborate my past. As a journalist, I've been trained to find two sides to each story, and often more. But now, I only have mine. Chapter 1 150 Rockview, Irvine, California, May 1983 I was five when the FBI came from my father. Twice. The first time, I was alone with him in our two-story condo in Turtle Rock, a new development in Irvine, California, when two agents...